I went to Easter Vigil Mass on Saturday night for all the new confirmed people. And it was just nice to go there. And they played a song, going to rise up again from the ashes. And boy, that, it, that was tough. That was tough. But it was an awesome Easter. We're here. The relief of getting to Easter is something a lot of us can relate to. After a devastating pandemic and a norm-shattering quarantine, the year leading up to this Easter has seemed like an interminable Lent. But this day, with its promise that the most unthinkable suffering can be redeemed, that our hopes lie in heaven, that we can rise from the ashes, is a message particularly compelling to Steve and Suzanne Francis. This is because a year and a half ago, they experienced the most difficult 10 days of their lives. It started with Steve's near-fatal heart attack and the death of his father four days later, and ended with their 35-year-old business, the Country Smokehouse, in flames. Firefighters from six departments battled the blaze for hours at the Country Smokehouse that's just off M59 in Almont. The business has been a tourist favorite for decades. We walked around to see what was going on and see the devastation of it, and it just was, it was unbelievable. There were a lot of news reporters there, and one of them went right up to Steve to get his reaction, and his reaction was that um, this is Satan's work, and I'm not going to let him win. And we will prevail, we will come back, and we will rebuild, and we did. Welcome to Detroit Stories, a podcast on a mission to boldly share the stories of the people and communities in Southeast Michigan. These are the stories that fascinate and inspire us. Steve and Sue are the owners of the Country Smokehouse in Elmont, Michigan, a 2,800-person town an hour north of Detroit. It's the largest deer processing facility in Michigan and one of the region's largest employers. Like many great ventures, it started in a garage, the Francis's one-car garage where they would seasonally process deer. It was a hobby for Steve, who'd always grown up in the meat business. His parents were farmers in Almont, and they owned a meat company in Detroit they called Butcher Boy. He grew up helping him raise the family's cows and other animals and processing and shipping the meat to the Detroit market. He was 12 when he met his wife Suzanne on the school bus on the way to school. We also went to the same church. The two married and had three kids. Tired of the long drive to the city, Steve decided to leave his parents' business. He opened up a Buscemi's Pizza and Sub while deer processing in their garage on the side. We did that for two years in the garage there and it grew so well. We were only processing deer but became so, so busy that people, people, what they really wanted was our sausage from the deer. And when we found that people really liked it and wanted us to open a retail store. We bought some land out in 53. We built our first building, 64 by 42 was our first shop. We said, we're just going to do this for fun. Well, that turns into a monster of, of fun. The monster of fun didn't quit. There was so much work that Suzanne quit her job as a nurse so she could help Steve with the shop. They built a retail store in front of the small processing plant. We worked our way up to 80-some employees and opened seven days a week and uh, just, just kind of ran wild. So we always wanted to make it like, I always joked around, to make this the Franken of uh, Michigan, where you can come here and get all the sausage you want. We started out making two, three products. Next thing you know, we're up to 169 different products now. Our, our primary function is sausage, jerky, tishka, ring liver, head cheese, ethnic styles, you know, metwurst, tea sausage, things like that. We want old world sausage. Um, and it kind of grew from there. It just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. 
and uh, we knew that we had to uh, expand on the store here to accommodate the bigger productions that we needed to make. These accommodations included a farm purchase where they could raise game meat to make their own sausage and jerky, hire a year-round staff, and branch out into gourmet. They got into catering corporate events up to 2,000 people. They were all over Michigan farmers' markets, and they opened a store in Bay City, Flint, and Quebec. They built a website to start selling and shipping online orders, and by 2010, Stephen and Suzanne's three children were working full-time alongside them. They were truly a family business. I, I've always wanted to pass something on to the next generation. I'm sixth generation. Actually, my grandson will be sixth generation. Uh, my son's son, he's in here. He's seven now, and he comes and dinks around in here on the weekends once in a while, plays around on the table, and hopefully we can expire him and uh, or any other grandkids that you know, kind of step into this thing. Because you know, we got 35 years of our life into this. I'd like to see it go on from there, try to build some kind of a family legacy like Kowalski's and Kogel's and people like that. I don't want to you know, work at something and just see it go away after one generation. The 20-foot-tall steer outside the store became iconic. Tourists gravitated toward the bellowing smoke coming off the barbecue grills every weekend and the cozy, rustic log cabin store. It had become a beloved Almont staple. In a town of 2,200 people, it meant economic stability and prosperity, and the affection was mutual. The smokehouse donated new blackboards to the local high school. They'd fly the Easter Bunny in a helicopter to drop Easter eggs for the Lions Club, and they regularly donated sausage to church brunches and fire departments' big breakfasts. I think they try to make it um, kind of like a second family atmosphere. This is Cheryl. She's worked in customer service in the store for years. I almost felt almost an immediate um, connection with both Sue and Steve. And, I mean, they were kind, they were comical, they were funny, hardworking, just, um, just a pretty amazing combination of all the things I think we hope to look for when we're searching for a job. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they were. They were just a great combination of all the things you'd hope for, for as you know, a boss, and then actually as friends. That's what they became. They became friends. They had um, this amazing um, crucifix in their store, and they hung it up proudly, so you would see it right when you were leaving to go out the store, and. Um, it, it they 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 would never worried about how anyone else would see it. They did that because that's what they wanted to do, and um, so um, that was really huge to me because I think it's hard in the world today to be able to express something like that. I admired that. It it meant a lot that um, as hard as they worked and everything that they did to get to where they were, they, they still tried to put God in the center of their life. And, it, and that's something my parents did and they taught me and I teaching my kids. So it was, I, I think that the, the thing that drew me to them and wanting to work for someone like that, I mean, their, their food is delicious, their quality is amazing, but um, I just think they stand for so much more than just that. As the company approached their 30th anniversary, it seemed as if circumstances couldn't be more ideal. Business was so good they announced plans to expand again by constructing a new manufacturing plant to keep up with the demands of their growing customer base. 
but while Steve was prepping for their busiest quarter, he had a heart attack. He was two and a half hours from the nearest hospital. Um, they say he shouldn't have made it, but we did, and uh, it was a miracle. He said that I'm still alive. So I guess God's still got a plan for me. Mars keeps telling me, you know, that uh, you're not done yet. Two days later, Steve was released from the hospital when he gets a call from the local police department. And they're like, hey, we need you to get over here right now. Your dad, something's going on. But I get over there, he had a massive heart attack and died getting into his car, going out to feed his buffalo. Steve and Suzanne took him to be buried up in Gaylord beside his parents and grandparents. They had a small private ceremony and spent the night in a hotel. At midnight, Steve got a call. The country smokehouse was on fire. So we, um, we, we just bedded down after a long five, six day funeral and just bedded down, got the call, and we jumped in the car and drove four hours back. By the time we got back, it was around um, 4 a.m. and the fire had been calmed down and it was gone. Everything was gone by the time we got back. It was 99% lost. The whole roof was caved in. Everything was burnt on the inside. Nothing was salvageable. Yeah, it was a rough 10 days, real rough. But he didn't have to bear the roughness alone. The small, tight-knit community he had been a part of nearly his whole life rose up to help. The dozens of firefighters who descended on the scene were many of the smokehouse's former employees and the Francis's friends. Stephen remembers all the customers who came in the morning after the fire to see how they could help. Students at the local Catholic school in Bishop Kelly were praying every day for the smokehouse. Father Jerry and Father Steve came by to offer help and consolation. A non-denominational church, knowing that the employees would be out of work, sent a 58-foot semi-load with boxes of food. Employees hustled around to recover what little bit of meat could be salvaged. And hugs, tears, and words of consolation were shared among all. The biggest comment from people in the community was, Oh, we're praying for you. We're, I mean, there were so many prayers oh, yeah. out for us that, um, you know, between Steve's heart attack and him, you know, you know, he had a lot of issues after the heart attack, too, that we had to get fixed and, um, you know, plenty of doctor's visits. And here we're trying to deal with his dad's death and now deal with the fire. It was all so much. And then so many people were just praying for us and we couldn't have made it without it and all the prayers and all the outreaching and all the people was just amazing, just amazing. First on the Francis's minds were their 87 employees whose livelihood depended on them. Again, the owner, after bad news, after bad news for the past couple of weeks, he's still worried about everyone else. Yeah, I feel bad for him. I want to figure out what we're going to do for him. Hopefully my insurance will take care of it. They're all local people that grew up with me here. Steve Francis worrying about his workers. They started trying to keep everyone in the loop. There were group texts. Um, employee texts that um, that went around trying to keep everyone connected. Uh, they checking in on everyone. How are you doing? How is everything going? You know, making sure anyone, you know, everyone was able to try to sign up for um, unemployment, making sure none of us were in need of anything. So um, they, they did, and we had meetings, and everyone tried to stay in touch and in contact. And, um, you know, a lot of positivity came through that. So we were thankful to have they, they, they made sure that they reached out to everyone. And we, we all gathered together uh, to do what we could do and um, waiting for the plans of 
everything re reopening again. Steve knew he had to rebuild, not only for the family business that he poured his life into, but for the hundreds of employees who had grown to depend on them. But it wouldn't be easy. Five and a half million dollars to rebuild it. We were underinsured. And, you know, you know what it's like with insurance companies, get your money. And we still are fighting with them. And it was hard. It was daily hard. And when you said something about questioning your faith, I got to say, sometimes I'm like, why, God? And why this? After that, after that 10 days, my mom had a stroke. We, we went through COVID. Um, just so many other health issues came up between he and myself. And it was always challenging. But, boy, we could have never got through it without our faith. Well, COVID complicated things even more. It was near impossible to get contractors and laborers, but they did have plenty of employees who were looking for work. So we actually turned a lot of our butchers and our uh, catering department into workers. I taught them all how to put floor drains in and how to pour concrete and how to paint and how to hang drywall. And uh, They actually did the demolition of everything. Yep, our employees, we did our own demolition of the building, taking everything out of there. So um, it was... Uh, they worked so hard at that Help came pouring in from unlikely places. When they needed to set roof trusses on the rebuild, a friend of the family sent an entire crew of men to help. It's amazing the people that really rallied. I mean, block people, I mean, carpenters, people that we knew that really were customers of ours. They just all came together and gave me deals and helped me out in products costs. And it, was, it was a big deal. It was, I didn't realize how big my company really was until it burned. And I just thought we were just some little podunk country market, but boy, was I wrong. <laughs> letters and, and people calling and sending things from all over was really, really heartwarming. A grueling 17 months later, the rebuild was complete. The old 5,500 square foot building that had burned was replaced with a 38,000 square foot state-of-the-art building. Steve and Suzanne had poured everything into the rebuild and were in dire need of income. But would people come? When the store reopened on March 12th, it had been 17 months since the fire. Could the reopening of the smokehouse still be on people's radar? You just have to put it in God's hands and know that he's there helping us all the way through. And he has. You should see this beautiful building now. It's amazing. I never thought it could be. It would have ever turned out. On March 12th, Steve and Suzanne said their daily prayers and opened the smokehouse doors. Well, if you're lucky enough to be familiar with Almont, you know, of course, that people came in droves. It's just the way they are. Masks and six feet apart notwithstanding, they wouldn't let anything stand in the way of supporting a member of their town. You know, it's that country song. You remember that country song that says, everybody dies famous in a small town? Um, it's kind of the same thing here. When you're from a small town, you know, I thought we were just, you know, podunk Elmont here, you know, but when I see people come up from Ohio, Chicago, Indiana, all over to come here. I actually had to leave the building that day. It got so emotional from people wanting to hug you and kiss you and, oh my God, we're praying for you. I mean, it was just nonstop. I mean, I, it was such an emotional roller coaster. The first three days, I just couldn't handle it. It was tough. That was probably tougher than the heart attack with all the customers coming and seeing their faces and just hugging you and, you know, just praying for you. I was like, son of a gun, enough. We as employees um, were so excited and anticipating, um, you know, everything to, the doors to finally open, but all the customers coming in, there were some of them, you know, clapping, some were high-fiving. Everyone was so excited, so happy. For Steve and Suzanne, however, this time marked an opportunity to finally rest, 
and breathe and behold the profundity of the resurrection in all it can be. Well, I tell you, I, when, when I talk to people now and they, how did you get through something like that? And, and there's just, it's hands down. There's, how do you go through things like this without having faith in God? You just, you can't do it alone. You know, we, we lost his dad. We all, I almost lost him. We lost our 35 year old business and, and so many employees and you, you just, you pray. I have learned to pray in a way that I've never had before. I have a much closer relationship with God, and I know that I can't go on without him. The whole thing, I think I got stronger in my belief in God because he helped me get through some tough times. Um, he gave me the ability and strength to get up morning after morning and morning to see, to come out the devastation and to see it finally start to turn. Detroit Stories is a production of the Detroit Catholic and the Communications Department of the Archdiocese of Detroit. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts.